in the presence of Jehovah. He can mend the heart. He can change the life. You see, a lot of times I think we live in a world where we feel that the world owes us a living. Laziness. I don't need to work. Uncle Sam will take care of me. Come on. It's truth. That's what we're living today. We're living in a state that is, has a shortfall of some 530,000 jobs that need to be filled. We live in a society, church, you ready for this? Where about 63% need to know Jesus. Church, are we lazy? Are we fulfilling the task that God has set before us? Are we listening to the, the presence of Almighty God? Are we listening to the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are we doing, are we fulfilling the commission that God has set before us? You see, I know what we all like to do. We all like to grumble when everything's not going well. Come on, it's truth. Instead of praying and asking God to solve our problems, we try to find somebody's ear to bend. To tell our problems too. Maybe they could help resolve them. In the presence of Jehovah, our trials can be taken care of. Our troubles could be solved. You know, if you have your Bibles, you can flip with me to Romans chapter 1, verses 14. Paul thought he owed the world something. You see, God had rescued him from heartache and, and hell, if you'll forgive the word. Because in Romans, uh, or Acts, I'm sorry. You don't have to turn there right now. But, but in Acts, you know, Paul sails from Rome. He gets caught up in a storm. He ends up being shipwrecked, bitten by a snake. I think Paul had a few problems. But Jehovah rescued him. See, I think a lot of us in our time, we, we get caught up in a lot of problems that we have, but we forget who takes care of our problems. Paul could have just dove on a sword and got it over with. I mean, that much trouble and that short of time. And if we had that much trouble and that short of time, I'm going to tell you what, most of us would turn our back on God and say, well, there's not a God, but this, I, I got this many problems. Paul ever sought to bring other men to the divine good news. See, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. But my question this morning is, are you? Now you say, well, pastor, 
we're here this morning. Of course we're not ashamed of the gospel. I know a lot of great Christians in churches that will not share the gospel outside of this building or a building, church building. You see, Paul was a man in debt. In, 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 in Romans chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, I am debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Listen to that part. It is the power of God unto salvation. The reason I asked Elabel to share that testimony this morning, because it was the power of God that brought her to redemption. It brought her to him. It wasn't some preacher. It wasn't some witness from somebody in the community. It was God himself. You see, all of us in our lifetime have a time that we feel like we have a void. I remember before I came to Christ, I felt like I had a void. I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know how to fill it. Sure, I tried a little alcohol, tried a few drugs, and other things, but, but the void was still there. It wasn't until Christ came into my life was that void filled. And I think it's a testimony probably to everyone in this church. You've probably had the same similar experience. You had a void and it wasn't filled until Jesus entered into your heart. You see, when you believe that Jesus Christ died and, and rose again on the third day, and you ask Jesus Christ to become your Savior, that void was, was, was there. Nothing could fill it. But once you did that, that void became filled. You see, Paul, a man in debt here, he, well, let me finish reading. You see, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, a man in debt is a man who has received something. In our case, it might be a car, a home, food, or some services that we have on an ongoing basis. But Paul has received something. See, Paul has received salvation. Paul's debt is not a debt of sin. Paul's debt was the first thing that most of us think of is sin. And we think that's what our debt is. But see, as you look back, like Paul, that debt was paid. The same debt that was paid for Paul was paid for us on the cross. It's a debt that we can never pay. Only Jesus could pay that debt for us. Paul's debt is a debt of gratitude. 
How many of us are, are grateful? How many of us have gratitude for being saved? Paul had a great gratitude for being saved. His gratitude for God's grace toward him. Moving him toward the cross. You see, that gratitude is the same gratitude that we should have that moves us toward the cross. But who must pay his debt? Who must pay our debt? The Greeks, the barbarians? The wise, the unwise? You see, church, I think a lot of times we, we miss the mark. You see, Paul was referring to a civilized and an uncivilized people, wise and unwise. He refers to the educated and the uneducated. See, Paul's debt, after his experience with Christ on the road to Damascus, his whole life was consumed with spreading the good news of salvation. You see, when we became born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, our we, we had a new focus. We were given a new goal. And that goal was to preach the gospel, to present the gospel, the good news, as you will, to everyone that you come in contact with. You see, it's important to know where the debt must be paid. You see, it's you bought something, you don't just assume that the bank's going to take the money out of your account and take care of your debt. No. If we have a bill, we want to know who it's being paid to and where and how much. Our debt of gratitude must be paid in service to men. I think Sometimes we lose track. I think a lot of times when we think of debt, we think of what we owe and who we owe. You see, when you think of his hunger, you'll find plenty who are hungry. 63% of the population is hungry. I'm not talking about for food. I'm talking about for the word. His heartache and his tears. You'll find plenty of tears out there. Everybody has a sad story. But Jesus said he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Isn't that awesome to think about this morning? That Jesus can wipe away the tears of every person on the earth. His wounds. Many are hurt and bleeding now. Many have been, have been scorned. Many have been vanished from their churches. Many have been thrown in jail because of their belief in the Lord Jesus. But Jesus says in Matthew 25, 40, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, 
ye have done it unto me. Everything, church, that we do for people who are hurting, we do it as unto the Lord. We have to, church. We have, we have to, we have to encompass the world as hurting. We have to encompass the world as they need something that we have, something that Jesus has given to us, and, and they need it. They desperately need it, but yet we're not willing to give it. We're like, well, if I could just hold on, I know Jesus is coming soon. If I could just hold on a little bit longer, I'll be okay. But Jesus doesn't want you to do that. Jesus wants you to, to share as he did Paul. Notice the scope of Paul's indebtedness. Greeks and barbarians, the cultured and the uncouth, the wise and the unwise, the educated and the ignorant, narrowing vision. We must widen our vision, not narrow our vision. See, a lot of times I think we're like those horses out in the field or we're those donkeys. You know, when they're out in the field plowing, well, they don't have those nowadays, but... You know, back in the day, they used donkeys and horses to plow fields. And they put these blinders on them like this. Why? So they would walk straight. And they would keep help to keep straight rows as they would plow the fields. Now they have tractors. And I think some of those farmers need blinders on. I've seen some of their paths that get a little crooked. I think, well, that's where he must have fell asleep. I see the field. Sometimes I think the people that made our roads fell asleep. <laughs> if you've been down some of our roads, I mean, they, I mean, you ever been down 95 lately? Whew. There are crooked places everywhere. And they're re-blacktopping it to make it nice and smooth. I think it's bumpier now than it was when it had holes in it. You see, Paul was ready to pay his debt. Because he said, I am ready. So inasmuch as me, even though we owe, the Bible says to owe no man anything. We understand that we are to pay our debts as we are able but many conditions bring debts about. But ongoing debts are not sustainable. When one has the resources to pay them, and they don't. You see, I think a lot of times we struggle with issues like this. You know, I don't know why God urges us to owe no man. Why we're not to be indebted to people. Because what happens is the scripture says then you're subject to the lender. And you know what? Sometimes there's a lot of trickery when it comes to the lender. The person that you're indebted to, whether it's the bank, finance company, or somebody personal. That's why I've always told my family, I don't loan money. If I have it, I'll give it to you. If I have a friend who is in need, I'll give it to him. He, I've had people, it works. Can I, hey, do you get $10 I can borrow? No. But I got $10 you can have. 
Why? Because you always find people who owe you something avoid you. They avoid you. Why? Because they're afraid you're going to ask for it. So isn't it better just to give it and to build a rapport with them and to bring them to the cross? It's better to give than to receive. You see, it's better to give it than to, than to hold somebody over a barrel and say, hey, excuse me, um, you remember that $10 you borrowed from me? When, when can I plan on getting that back? And then the next thing you know, you don't see them anymore. I have a great rapport with my family. Why? Because I've not let them borrow a thing. Virginia and I will give it. If we have it, we'll give it. It's yours. You don't have to pay it back. Why? Jesus paid a price for me. Jesus paid a debt for me I could never, ever pay. What greater cause for me to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because of what he's given to me. He didn't ask for me to pay anything back. Matter of fact, he is so loving and so kind. He said, Phil, you've got your own will. I'm going to die for you, but you can do what you want. Whoa. How many would say the bank would say, okay, you borrowed money from me, but pay it back whenever you feel like it. That would never happen. But Jesus said, I've given my life for you. And you can make the choice to serve or not to serve. But remember, that comes with a price too. Smoking and non-smoking is also your choice. You see, a lot of people say, well, Jesus loves me. He's, you know, and I hear this from a a lot of people who don't want to confess Christ as Savior. Well, Jesus loves me the way I am. He likes me for who I am. I don't have to do all this stuff. The Word of God says that if you don't confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, guess what? The smoking section's lined up for you. It doesn't mean Christ doesn't love them. They've made a choice. Jesus could have called 10,000, a legion of angels to take him off the cross. But that didn't happen. Why? Because that wasn't God's plan for man. God's plan for man was his son Jesus, who died and shed his blood on the cross for our debt. For our debt. People say, I don't owe a debt. You had a debt. You had a debt. And Christ paid the debt. Is he calling you this morning? Do you have a debt this morning that needs to be taken care of? And maybe you say, well, I don't know that that's the way I want to handle it. But my question is, is it your way of handling or God's way of handling? Which way is better? See, I have always found that it's God's way is always the best way. His plan is always the best plan. 
So many times we try to say, well, God, let me try it this way. God does. God lets you try it your way, but you're going to fail. Why? Because his ways are not your ways. Nor are our ways his ways. You know why? Because he knows how bad we will mess things up. I mean, he looks at this guy right here and he knows how bad he can mess things up. So I always have to count on him. I always have to look to God. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. Does that mean I make mistakes? Absolutely. If you don't believe me, I have my beautiful wife sitting over there. She can tell you. Listen. We, we, we have things that we learn in life. Sometimes we forget those things that we learn in life. Sometimes we turn away all the education. Sometimes we turn away all the things that seem right. Because we have a projected path that we would like to go in. It's not God's projected path. You see, a lot of times we must, we must come together with Christ. Not sometimes, all the time. We must come together in Christ. We must follow his principles. God's principles are far greater than our own principles. His morality is far greater than our moralities. He's taught us how to live. How do you know, Pastor? Because he showed me here. I don't, I don't claim to know much. I have no claim to fame. I don't claim to know much, but I do know this. That if I continue to pray and I continue to seek the Lord Jesus Christ, he will continue to lead me. Even, even church, when I make mistakes. Because he is a merciful and just God. It, listen, this is how life is. How many have made all the right decisions this week? Oh, I don't see no hands. Maybe you're out there. Maybe somebody out there has made all the right decisions. But I haven't. But I serve a God who can help me make decisions better. By counting on him, by calling on him, by leaning on him, by knowing the debt that has been paid was paid by him on the cross for me. What happens when we make mistakes? We're sorry. And all we can do is ask Jesus to forgive us. And he will help us to move forward. Amen? Amen? So this morning, the question is, who are you indebted to? Who are you indebted to? And with that, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to pray this morning. You see, I don't want you to answer that question to me. I just want you to answer that question between you and the Lord. That's all. It's between you and God. Father, this morning I thank you. Lord, I thank you for this message from Paul. Lord, many of us are in debt in many ways. 
Some of us made unwise decisions and unwise choices. But Lord, you are a God who is just. You are a forgiving God. And Lord, you know what it is to come to man when he calls out to you and he asks for forgiveness. Lord, this this morning many of us are in debt, but I think sometimes we don't realize who we're in debt to. You see, some men are in debt to Satan because they love the lifestyle of sin. But some of us are in debt to you, Lord, because of the debt you paid for us on Calvary. That debt on the cross, that blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. Lord, you paid a debt none of us could repay. And Lord, I am so thankful this morning that I can stand before you and knowing that you are not asking me to pay that debt. But Lord, I want to give my life as a debt of service to you. To proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. To proclaim the good news to every creature I can come in contact with. Lord, I want to use my body as a living sacrifice to the debt that you paid in any way possible. And I give you the praise and the glory and the honor for this, what you spoke to us about this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.